Greetings, true believers, and welcome to episode 79 of the Polis Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me on this incredibly long and interesting journey, as always, is the one, the only, Red Hood. Welcome, Red Hood. Oh, no, sorry. Sorry, I saw Red Hood in your thing there, and I was confused. But hi, Hector, how's it going? You will see Red Hood everywhere I am, because... <laughs> Um, so that's how we definitively know that you're not Red Hood, right? Sure, sure. Because you're, you're both in the same room at the same time. Um, I think I own more Red Hood things than anything else at this point. Maybe not Batman, because I still got a ton of Batman. But uh, like, uh, I think Red Hood and Krillin are my two biggest property purchases. Yeah, that seems right. And, that, uh, that checks out. If if people have listened to us for longer than a minute, they they probably they probably know that this is true. Yeah. So yeah. Um and on that note, Gotham Knights, we gotta talk about it too. So but I'm oh, good. All right. I'm save, good. Yeah, save that save that for the podcast. We'll talk yeah, we should talk about that. I haven't had a chance to look at it yet, so we'll talk about that here in a few minutes. I can so, mail it to you. Ooh. Yeah, if you've cranked through it then um maybe. <laughs> I, like that, I listen, do it like that, Soldier like Boy. Do, do, do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, Soldier well, Boy, kill him! Oh no! So um, <laughs> the comics—they're—they're they're just all the comic stuff is—it's—it's it's too fast, it's too furious. So, the, oh, strap yourselves in, prepare yourselves for we've got comic sign. Uh, better put the word out. Can't wait for the nerd out. Better put specs on. Better bring next. Checks for my expansion sets. They call me Obi Wan. Act like you know me, son. That sounds. That's a little too painted because I had like tornado warnings today, and you're like all, like yeah. No, but it is kind of panicky though, you know. It's, it's how the movie. Yeah, the the movie sign comes at you fast, and you got to be ready. So comic sign is probably just as chaotic. So, so yeah, this is the Polish podcast, fam. On today's episode of The Pullist, we do have a wonderful show for you. Even if it seems like we're totally discombobulated, we actually have a process we follow. We're going to hit the latest news that you need to know. We're going to go over our poll recommendations for the last two weeks or three weeks or four weeks, depending how far behind Hector and I actually are. Three um, weeks for me. <laughs> there you go. Our fave new number ones and so much more. This is The Pullist Podcast. <laughs> Uh, so, well, maybe kick some of our news off telling me about um, Gotham Knights. So for folks that probably are, well, you're either aware or you're not, but Gotham Knights is, is a video game. Um, and what we knew about this game for what, like two years? Mm-hmm. Was this an E3 thing that like we saw and then it was like, yeah, um, we got to work on this. So forget that you heard us say anything. <laughs> and uh, uh, the, the buzz initially got a pilot greenlit for a TV series, right. but the TV yep. series had nothing to do other than the name and it would have been garbage. And I'm so glad I got canceled. Um, <laughs> no show for you. No show for no show. Um, but no. Uh, so Gotham Knights. Even though it has a strong Arkham flavor, is not connected to the Arkham series. Um, and it's I the did, same publisher, right? I don't even think so. Oh, okay. Because the combat style was the main thing I was curious about. Um, it uh, 
Have, yeah, not so much. Um, oh. Now it is hold 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 your horses there, Sheefton. Um So uh, it has not anything specifically to do with the Arkham series, but it also gives you the exact same setup. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, because Fair the game the game starts out with Batman's dead, Arkham's right. destroyed, and uh, the four of you are left to. Uh, save Gotham. Now, instead of scale of broody, how broody is it? (laughs) Well, it really depends on how, who you're playing with. And I didn't play with anybody, but red hood so far. Who's Um, shocked? Everyone raised their hand. (laughs) um, I had a friend who like, you know, played through with Tim and he's like, yeah, Tim's voicing his insecurities and his super logic and stuff. And Jason's just like, F your mother. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it's like, gonna let my guns do the talking. Now, uh, on this note, but like, as opposed to Batman dying at the end of Arkham Knight, you actually see Batman die, like for real, in a very well done cutscene at the beginning. Oh, dang. Um, Ra's al Ghul shows up in the cave and proceeds to have a knockdown drag out with Bruce that ends with both of them dead. <laughs> okay i'm okay with that um and so uh you set up with your new bat squad in a uh the pen station ish tower above the train station as your new bat cave and uh you jump right into the last case that uh batman was working on which was kurt langstrom and it leads to uh um golly it leads to the Court of Owls. It leads to the, the League of Shadows. Uh, it leads to a really good uh, Clayface fight, a really good Mr. Freeze fight. Harley's in there in a new iteration for the first time. Okay. Like doing doing something we've not seen Harley do before, which is, you know, even at this point, 30 years deep, we're still like scratching out new versions of how Harley behaves is pretty great. Um it's also got really heavy uh, tones to New 52. Um, yeah, I was going to say it definitely had that vibe. Well, not only just the Court of Owls, the Dionysium beneath the city right, is a thing. Um, and uh, I mean, there it just like the Arkham series, it has Easter eggs everywhere. So if you take the time to actually look, you're going to find a lot of stuff. But um, for me, man, like uh, I, let me just say this on gameplay. It is the most fleshed out Gotham as a city. Cool. Okay. Like from the gate, the city is wide open. You have a full map and you can explore the whole city GTA style. Um, and like every little corner, uh, down to, you can roll up to Arkham Asylum just for kicks and giggles. Um, but, uh, everything's open and you can travel by bike, but I'll say on combat style, it feels a lot more, of less of the super combos and more of uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Oh, interesting. Or um, games of that nature where you've got one main attack button and then you parry and then you have some specials. Okay. Um, so like, like you're basically X mashing the whole time and then you'll dodge and throw some other stuff into it. Um, it does also have the Assassin's Creed vibe of you're improving your skill set through the whole thing. Um, and armor pairs up. It has the destiny Assassin's Creed vibe of like 
your different armor pieces level you up each time. And so like there was one point I got a an outfit I really liked. And so I stopped upgrading my armor. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I'm like, why am I dying? And I was like, oh, I'm on level 13 armor on level 26 fights. So <laughs> you're like, but I look so dope. <laughs> I did look so dope. Um on that note, the cool thing is no matter what armor you have, you have a transmog that can just let you wear the costume you want. Okay. Now, I didn't use that because, like, I felt like that was cheating. But um, overall, man, now I'll say this. If you're expecting an Arkham game and Arkham mechanics, you will be frustrated. Um, If you want to play a storyline game where you actually get to play with Nightwing, Red Hood, Tim Drake, or Batgirl, you're going to have a ball. Um, And I am here for Bat Family. I am here for Jason Todd. And in that, I had a blast. Is every muggle off the street going to be satisfied? No. Um, is it, is it revolutionary in gameplay? No. Um, is it pretty? Now I'll say this, dude, one of the coolest things that I thought was a neat feature is you can see in the windows of every building. Like, Oh wow. Like when you go by a window, it's slightly blurry, but each room's different. So you can literally see something on somebody's TV. You can see paintings. You can see people having dinner. Like, and I was just like, that's just a weird thing to be like zip lining past somebody's window. Be like, what? Yeah, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I want to watch that. And just like, but yeah. no, it's just, there's just small details. Um, you get some really good Alfred encouragement. Um, everything's reactions. And each fight you fight is different based on who you're playing with in terms of responses and how it plays out. Um, but they're like, so the, the Jason version in this is that, you know, he got Lazarus back. He came back homicidal and he's been rehabilitated, but he still struggles being like killy killy. Um, <laughs> right. And dude, there's like little moments where you can choose to just flesh out each character's story. And there's a moment where they're all making dinner together and Jason tries to leave and they like force him to stay and make dinner with him, with them mm-hmm. and actually bond as a family. And I mean, there's just sweet stuff. Uh, it, it's I, I enjoyed it, but like I just wanted to have a game where I got to be Red Hood for 20 hours and, you know, pistol whipping Clayface to death. You know, it's what's up. That one was that one was close to the title of the episode, but it's early. <laughs> um, <laughs> pistol whipping Clayface. Yeah. Um, so yeah, all right, Gotham Knights, uh, a uh, impromptu video game uh, review. Well, it, by it's the, one, the you know, it's the best board. comic book video game we've had in forever. That uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Because I mean, the the Avengers game was hot garbage. Yeah, that one hurt. And uh, I don't know of another really good comic book game of late. Guardians. Oh yeah, Guardians was a masterpiece, and we were on break when we it came out. Yeah, or when I played it. Yeah, Guardians was chef's kiss that was gold um it's not as good as guardians but it's good <laughs> well there you go now you, now you now you have it all broken down yeah uh awesome thanks man uh so let's see let let's talk about some other stuffs um i've got some strange it's, it's strange it's not strange but so amc as in you know the walking dead um all that other stuff you know television right amc they have a publishing arm so, yep, 
Yep, I'm going to let that settle in. And most specifically, that publishing arm is actually beginning to focus on comics. So continue to give that look because uh, those of you that are listening to us, Hector looks confused. And <laughs> um, by the way, Hector looks confused in high def now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's because, pretty. So because I bought a camera, so I didn't look like that I was being filmed on a speaking spell. So <laughs> <laughs> so yes, AMC's uh, publishing division has pulled together now granted all the way back to 2015 they like were rumoring these things and i guess i just like fell asleep on that one um but two of their first projects are kind of coming to light actually three projects two three projects we're, we're linking it but it's crazy the people that they're putting together so apparently a book idea that came together in 2015 parisian white um kelly sue DeConnick and bill um Sinkevich. so what? <laughs> um, it, found, it sounded like you were just ordering soup at a Polish restaurant. I don't know what you just said. Uh, you, you know, you know his work if you saw it, because okay. um, it's it's very kind of surreal. That's like what he does, and everybody doesn't know how to say his name, and I probably didn't say it right either. But there you go. Um, so that project's finally coming together. It doesn't look like it has a date quite associated with it, but we know that it actually exists. But what's even cooler is they have another project and they're like, hey, look at this. Um, and the primary writer on this project is Kirk Hammett. Not Kirk Cameron. No. Okay. As in Metallica. <laughs> there you go. Um, so... And what's even more interesting, and I should have pulled a link for it as well, is Metallica actually has another comic book uh, project with another publisher coming out like in the near future, too. So I guess we've seen other projects with um, people in the music industry where they put stuff together that this seems to be coming more standard or more and more of them are like, oh, cool, that works. Or I can at least get the project I want done which um, by the way i didn't put it on my list but i did read evanescence number two there you go and again it exists it exists so yeah um i just found it interesting so be on the lookout if you're kind of looking for out there um or at least folks kind of crossing creative lines to do new projects and stuff um amc publishing is going to start showing up on some shelves at some of your local comic books uh shops so boom there you go. How about that? Um, in slightly adjacent entertainment news, uh, it should come to, as no shock that a comic book being the beginning of a story of an upcoming show and or movie is not new nowadays, but it is certainly becoming highly commonplace. Um, but the Dungeons and Dragons movie is is coming and IDW slower than IP expected. On. Slower than expected. Um, yeah, actually, my favorite that I've seen on that is, oh, the D&D movie is going to be just like a regular session. They've already had to reschedule by a month. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> also, that's good. I get that. that that's real. Um, but that is going to start in an IDW specific comic. Maybe that's to help kind of uh, give us a sneak peek at it before it gets going. But it's going to be like prequel slash setup type story so you'll be seeing that on shelves i think it's early next year that's another one that they're like hey this thing's coming but dates not nothing for you um 
comic book industry do be that way sometimes. And Marvel in 2023. This is this is kind of fun. Um, I think it was before our time. But uh, have you ever heard of the Marvel No Prizes? They literally no. did a yeah, they literally did a thing. And I'd have to look kind of deeper into my history thing. I don't think the article actually tells us when what era it was, but um, it literally was this non contest such as it were. But as you entered and it's like, oh, yeah, you don't get any prizes. Um, it's the no prize, but you've got a thing like they literally mailed you a thing. Um, and so what they're doing for the no prizes next year is they're going to be doing variant covers and there's some previews of that. But what's kind of fun here is Marvel has kind of been dipping back into their history over the years and pulling forward some of their stuff um, that folks remember or that they used to do. Cause they used to do a ton of mail and stuff. Like you used to be able to mail in the stamps to get like the, the free sweatshirt type thing. So like for all of you hardcore collectors, like that's a thing that, there are certain very key issues in Marvel's history that aren't complete because people wanted the free sweatshirt back in the day um, because they cut out the coupon. So first appearance of Wolverine is one of those books, Hulk 181s. It's hard to find one that actually didn't have the stamp pulled out of it because it's the only way you got your, I think it was a sweatshirt for that one. Um, so it's always when you're asking for that book, it's, does it have the stamp? <laughs> and does it have the stamp that actually came in that book because people are crafty and annoying and they literally will pull the pages very carefully out of a book that might have a terrible cover and put them in uh, a good cover one. So buying those books can be hard and complicated because people are the worst. <laughs> um but yeah, so I kind of like this that Marvel's continually kind of pulling, going into their history to do, you know, callbacks to stuff that was actually pretty fun and all that good stuff. Not just like a digital comic with your physical comic. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh boy. Because let me say, I, I don't know that I've ever used that. Right? I, I know some people have, but also at the same time. I, I'm like, okay, no. If I've already bought it one way, I don't really need it the next. Now, I will flip that the other way. If I, back when I was buying digital, if a book was just like Chef's Kiss, I'll go buy the physical. Now that I'm just buying physical, I regret my purchases and the room they take, and then I give them away. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> my closet's supposed to be for clothes, but it's not. Dude, um, I gave I gave like a thousand dollars of comics away for prizes to uh, the Nerd Slam recently because go. to just get it out of my house. So <laughs> here's the comics. Um. So yeah. So my final thing that I just kind of wanted the footnote because it came out this week. I read it. It didn't quite make my list, but the news of it is. You've probably seen on the shelf the DC Comics new Golden Age series. Yeah. It came out this week. Uh -huh. um, and it is another one of Jeff Johns writing a thing that he clearly just wants to write um, projects, which if you love DC Comics and you love Jeff Johns, then it's probably a wonderful thing for you. Um, I just, just, I'm just, I'm just say this. I think letting Jeff Johns mess with TV screwed him up as a comic book writer. That may be fair. 
Um, I hadn't quite thought about it in that order, but that's a really good point. Um, but if you want to dive kind of into DC Comics, like deep history of like where JLA, JSA uh, type folks came from and all that, then it's at least an interesting journey. It's a wild journey across this whole dark crisis and infinite suches and everything that's going on. So I just wanted to kind of note it for people that are at least somewhat interested because you get an original versions of a lot of these characters, future generations versions of these characters. So also that whole, Hey, is future state a thing, but not a thing. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> uh, but the other thing is if you've also been tracking kind of the major events over the last few years, there were doomsday clock references in there. And I was like, Oh, so you're actually, you're actually acknowledging that that thing happened. <laughs> um, it's yeah. To Hector's head nod that those of you listening can't see it. I just wanted to footnote it for y'all because it's interesting to go back to golden age era stuff, really old stuff and at least take a look. Um, and they're doing some weird things. So DC comics, new golden age. It actually came out. Uh, this past week, once you hear this, um, but there will be more books coming from it. So if you're trying to keep up on the DC events, it looks like it's going to be relevant to Dark Crisis and Infinite Stuffs or whatever they're calling it. Um, um, so let me just say, go. Dark Crisis wasn't relevant to Dark Crisis. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is why we can't have nice things. Um, um, and also, like, are you have you have we already mentioned James Gunn taking over? We mentioned that last time, right? Yeah, we did that last time. Yep. Okay, but on a on a, a follow up on that, uh, James Gunn has like they are now that he's in the helm, they were uh, hitting him up for uh, release the air cut. Right, right, right. The, and he's like, "Hey guys, <laughs> we're moving forward. So we, we hope <laughs> you join us on this journey of all the stuff that's coming up, but we're not going backwards. Peace out." <laughs> Deuces. <laughs> Deuces. Yep. So, yeah, good times. That's what you need to know. That's our bi-weekly look at the industry and delivering your inside knowledge. As always, you can join in on the conversation with Hector and I and all of your nerdy friends over on the Love Thy Nerd Discord or on the Love Thy Nerd Facebook community. We're going to miss stuff. We're going to talk about cool stuff. But tell us what you liked, what you hated, what you missed. Hector's going to tell me what I missed right now. <laughs> You are listening to the Pull List Podcast with Chris Fourier and Hector Mira. Hey everyone, I'm Radio Matt, and this is Reviews of the Nerds. Today I'm reviewing the new Roku original film, Weird, the Al Yankovic story. I've been a Weird Al fan since the early 90s when I first bought my first Weird Al album, Even Worse, with songs like I Think I'm a Clone Now, Stuck in a Closet with Vanna White, Lasagna, and of course, Fat, the parody of Michael Jackson's Bad. Or was it the other way around? Here's the deal, folks. Weird Al Yankovic has a reputation in Hollywood as being probably one of the nicest guys on the planet with no scandals to his name, no drugs, no drunken nights out, no public spats. Essentially, just a squeaky clean goof with a lot of talent, releasing 14 albums over the course of three decades. 
So when it came time to make a biopic about his life, why not do what he's famous for? Parody. This entire film is a parody of every troubled musician's life. But instead of his parents finding drugs and alcohol stashed in his room, it's Hawaiian shirts and an accordion. Instead of going to an underage kegger, he's brought home by the police from a polka party. The movie showcases Al's rocket to stardom, marred by drunken tirades against his band, a questionable relationship with Madonna, and hallucinogenic guac. When in reality, the most scandalous thing Weird Al does is cheat on his vegan diet whenever there's a cheese pizza on the band bus. This movie is hilarious and just as weird as you'd expect, with plenty of surprises and belly laughs and a few moments of pretty intense violence, just to warn you. But what I really love is how this movie is just as much a tribute to the real Weird Al, given all the musical and comedic cameos in the movie that likely isn't going to be paying all that well, given that it's a free movie on Roku. You'll see Lin-Manuel Miranda, Thomas Lennon, Will Forte, Patton Oswalt, Michael McKeon, Akiva Schaefer, Conan O'Brien, Emo Phillips, Jack Black, Josh Groban, and a handful more that you'll get a kick out of spotting. And of course, the cast is amazing, led by the perfect choices of Daniel Radcliffe and Rain Wilson playing Weird Al and Dr. Demento. Look, I'm not going to tell you this is movie of the year, but it certainly is a fantastic love letter to both the fans of Weird Al and Weird Al himself. If you've ever gotten a chuckle out of one of his parodies, original comedy songs, his first movie, UHF, or his short-lived kids TV show, then you owe it to yourself and him to open up the Roku channel or the Roku website and stream it for free today. Just turn it on and then make yourself a plate of Twinkie Wiener sandwiches to snack on. Weird, the Al Yankovic story, has a bit of intense violence and substance abuse, and while there is no cursing, there are allusions to sexual innuendo and inappropriate words that get cut off. Personally, this would fall in the PG-13 category for me. This has been Reviews of the Nerds, and remember, life is like a parody of your favorite song. Just when you think you know the words, surprise, you don't know anything. You are listening to The Pull List Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Mira. I, I'm considering getting on Discord. Just saying. Well, welcome to the future. The future is now. Yes. <laughs> I'm considering it. I don't know. but He's still updating his Zoom playlist. So you know, I am. I am actually. I DJed a wedding last weekend. And like they wanted like multiple stages of music in different places. And I had somebody's actual wedding ceremony running on my Zoom. And then I DJed their uh, reception with my Zoom software for my desktop. So, <laughs> what's up? <laughs> Didn't even do it ironically. What is wrong with you? Uh, well... Based on that, you definitely want to hear what Hector reads for comics then, right? All right, Hector. No, tell, no. Tell, tell us what you read this week. Wow us with your with your prowess. Ooh. I like yes. that. That sounds You're like welcome. dude, that Comic sounds like prowess. That sounds like uh, some Scott Pilgrim stuff. Like uh <laughs> You now have to fight the next comic book boss. You just challenged me to a comic book battle. Um <laughs> Uh, I will say this. Uh, I never expected this book to be good. Um, I never expected it. I liked it when it started. No, no, no. Just on the sales pitch, I did not expect this to be good. Okay, that's fair. You're, you're <laughs> yeah, telling, going, going back on that? Yeah. 
you're telling me an elderly Catwoman story is going to be one of my favorite books. And I'm just like, and it came out just after an elderly Catwoman story ended. Well, no, it, it, they ran across each other. Yeah, no, they, they, I guess they overlapped in the first couple months. Um, cause let me tell you, uh, Batman and Catwoman, elderly Catwoman story did not like, uh, you know, flap my cape. This, um, <laughs> Catwoman Lonely City <laughs> was yeah. a flipping masterpiece. Um, when it comes through the whole thing. Um, but you've got a Catwoman who was accused of Bruce's murder, goes to jail, serves 10 years, comes out. She's got arthritis. Um, now, uh. now, uh, Gotham has fallen to super militant crap, not like fear state level or anything, but just enough to be annoying. You've got, uh, hipster kids on TikTok making, uh, ironic superhero clothing lines done well like everything these kids wore i would buy um and okay, then that one is closer to to the title of this episode <laughs> what tiktok ironic uh superhero clothing lines um that's a mouthful um but like uh there's just so much good stuff and you've got uh catwoman mentoring uh the riddler's uh teenage kid You've got a uh, washed up croc that is just, you know, bitter at life and struggling for redemption. You've got, and I'm not going to say this because I automatically had a crush on her or anything like that. Um, but you've got a plus size poison Ivy um, who is like vibrant and happy and joyous. And like just seeing a happy poison Ivy who is confident is so much of a refreshing change from meh, like plant Daria. Um, and so, which who is like bell? Like, I know she voices poison Ivy in, uh, the carts, the Harley cartoon, but she was also just in black Panther too. And I don't know, oh. like I saw it in the credits. I'm like, wait, 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 who's Ivy. Um, <laughs> so I need to look that up. Uh, there's just a search for you kids. Um, but I'll say this, this is a four issue book, start to finish, it ended well. And for me, y'all, that's gold because so many of these books that I'll spend my time and money on get like a quarter of the way through or halfway through and then just nosedive. Uh, I've, yeah, I was actually thinking that, that a lot of my pulls lately and stuff that I bring here for us to talk about haven't included numbers past like five lately. And most of the time, like this week, straight up, uh, spoil spoilers. Uh, all my books are number ones. Oops, I, I, all number ones. Yep. Um, like Moon Knight came out this week. Eh. Um, a bunch of other books that I pitched in number ones came out this week, and dang it, <laughs> the Nice House on the Lake number eleven. There you go. Now, was it still good? Sure. Is it the top of my list? No. Um. This ended well, and much like our Christian life, that's what's important. <laughs> uh, <laughs> reference. Ready? Jaw. <laughs> Jesus stiff arm. Um, <laughs> Hector do be pastoring sometimes. I do oh, be no. pastoring sometimes. It's it's a thing. Um, this is good. That's all I can say. Like it's a four issue story. It's beautifully written. The art's gorgeous. Uh, it's not going to leave you boring. You're not going to guess all the points of the story. Cause literally I didn't know where it was heading and I was happy where it ended. So 
that. That alone is worth uh, the price of admission for me. There's also a lot of books that were just enjoyable. Um, so I read three weeks worth of books um, in one close to one sitting. And uh, yeah. Now, this is one I was 100% sure was not going to be on my pulls. Uh, Batman versus Robin number three. Um, and I think and here we are. Yeah. And I think between Todd and some other folks on the LTN comments, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to go back and read World's Finest now. Um Oh, don't but, make me read World's Finest. Even that's if what I said. That's what I said. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to and you can't make me, but apparently you can. Um, so uh, The people have spoken. They have. They, and our people speak wisdom, um, usually. and Sometimes. So uh, this has been that whole thing. Remember, if you have followed a few episodes back, um, this was... Uh, the air quotes return of Alfred. Uh, and, but like, we all knew, like, I think even in that first thing, I'm like, this ain't right. Um, and it wasn't. And, uh, that kind of all plays out in this one, but, uh, you've got, uh, this episode specifically is Batman going to an Island to take on (laughs) the characters of Gotham Knights. So, Batman has to go to an island and fight Batgirl, Tim, Nightwing, and Red Hood. Because, like Damon, Damien, they're all under, like, demonic possession. Okay, sure. But, but like, faint demonic possession. Uh, where they are, as they're fighting, they're spewing out uh, everything they've held back emotionally and the stuff this is like uh it's like all four of them are in therapy and having breakthroughs while they're beating bruce in the face Oof. <laughs> and like literally and so bruce knows they're under an influence but he's literally getting caught off guard he's like oh gosh did i do that <laughs> and, uh, and so he's having and there's and here's the thing y'all on this one specifically it addresses stuff that comic readers should have picked up on for years. And I don't think I've ever seen verbalized or vocalized Mm. in print before. Um, And how the bat family is treated and how they're brought up and how they are used. Um, There's stuff that's addressed with the four main kids that I don't think it's brought up anywhere else. And that's dope. Um, you get to see why Damien's involved in this and you see Damien fighting back. You get some introduction to some other mystical characters, stuff like that. Uh, but for me, the, the thing and like had me like moderately weepy in a like shopping center parking lot. Um, (laughs) like just out of nowhere. Like was, one does the life like of one. a podcaster in comics. Yeah. Cause like, as I'm waiting on my kid to get out, of like uh driver's ed and stuff. I'm like, okay, let me read, let me read, let me read. Um, uh, Alfred, fake Alfred was there like the whole time. And he was a manifestation of this demon person. That's the main string puller to further manipulate Bruce. Um, and so, like, in one of the battles or whatever else, he straight throws fake Alfred in front of a blade to let him get ganked. 
because he knows he's not a real person. Right. So demon leaves fake Alfred's body. And then the, the text and the script and everything changes and you hear real Alfred start talking to Bruce. And that in order to uh, manifest this fake Alfred, this demon used a portion of real Alfred's soul. And uh, he has about a minute before that part of him dissipates. So Bruce gets a like one minute after the fact conversation with real Alfred. And, yeah. and the stuff that pops up in that one minute of real Alfred speaking life into always traumatic Bruce is like, <laughs> like if nothing else, this book alone, if you skip the whole rest of the series, this is really good. If you just love the bat family, because this puts some stuff together in ways. Very few others do. So there's that. Uh, she Hulk number seven. I've been off and on on the she Hulk thing. And I know that, uh, it's kind of funny that the whole series ran its course during like five or six issues of this book. Um, but I'll say this and there's not like a ton of, um, there's not a ton of detail to, um, really sales pitch this on. This is to me, uh, nineties. She Hulk at her best. Hmm. Uh, with the art, with the flirtiness, with the style, with the, like, I'll say this, and our boy Rico, uh, his color palette is always fantastic. Um, but, like, there, there's spots in this book just the, where the art uh, made me feel like I was 12 reading comics again. With, like, the way Jen was drawn, with stuff like that. And, uh, but on the fun legal side uh there's a uh doom bot who is seeking legal representation because um he wants he's being uh someone thinks he's actually doom and so they're trying they're trying to hold this like reformed doom bot accountable for doom's crimes and he's in trouble because it part of his programming he has to say that he is doom even though he's not. And right. So there's this whole <laughs> long situation where they're trying to get a Doombot legal representation. But I'll just end. But listen, like, this has been a joy to read. Um, and like, li- literally just the art's fun. And uh, yeah, if you hated the She-Hulk show, I don't know if you'll enjoy this either. Um, but I feel like the She-Hulk show is quippier than the comics are. <laughs> Not in an ugly way, just like you got to deliver faster wordplay and stuff on TV and they can slow burn this a little bit. So I also feel like this cover feels like it's drawn for her to be holding a cigarette. Like if this would have been in any other decade, Mm. she'd be holding a cigarette. She's not. But like, I just feel like it's missing from that aesthetic. But anyway, uh, so she held number seven is just one. And that one's on there just purely for art. Honorable mention. Uh, uh, keep flying number one from Firefly. Look at this freaking cover, dude. Like, just look at that junk. That cover's gorgeous. Um, but uh, 
this book is Mal's 60th birthday party. And, uh, or 50th. I can't, yeah, it had to be 60th. It's his 60th birthday party. And, uh, you get some flashbacks of old serenity with new serenity. And, uh, but it's a lot of it is breaking down river's mental state. Um, again, like just for her, how her memories work. But, uh, if nothing else, you get uh, a crashing firefly filled with a sheet, uh, a cargo hold full of sheep, and that's hilarious. And, that was hilarious. And then you get a uh, giant raft <laughs> rolling down a river with the firefly crew hiding under sheep as they're getting like sniped. And like it's just a fun comic book set. I felt like it was, I was watch, reading Earthworm Jim or something for a minute. Um, <laughs> So honorable mention. And then uh, my last one uh, is Poison Ivy number six, which is the uh, culmination of this Poison Ivy story that has been so well. It appears there might be more coming. Um, but and this is again for me is the this is on the list because it was a story that ended well. Uh, Poison Ivy as a whole, this six issue run has been really, really well done. And this this one ends it well with basically her seeing a mirror of what she's doing and uh, coming out on the other side. Now, she still caused a super large amount of collateral damage like to get here. But honestly, it was a character development arc. And I was really good with that. So these six issues of Poison Ivy uh, have been well. Um and I need to address one thing I did not address last podcast. It was on my mind to do it, and it's important. Um, and I didn't say anything about it. You know, Nightwing normally makes my pull list on a regular yes. basis. Mm-hmm. The last issue of Nightwing didn't make my pull, but I needed to address something that happens at the end of it. Uh, so they just finished up their major storyline of the first, what would make the first two trades like leaping into the light and then heartless were the two main arcs. Those two arcs were wonderful. The end of the last issue of Nightwing, which there might be another issue out by the time this comes out, the end of the last issue of Nightwing has, uh, they're hiding out somewhere, Barbara and, uh, Nightwing. And guess who shows up at the door? No guess. I need a guess from you, Chris. I need a I need an audible guess, sir. Because they're chilling and everything. And if you really want to break it, I'd say you go full Joker. Because we've done this before. Bigger break. Hmm. Like, like this was like I don't ever. I don't, this was a break where I don't even know if I want to pick this book back up. And you know how much I've loved this. Oh dang. What did they do? Nightwing and Barbara Gordon are chilling in their uh, hideout. And lo and behold, who shows up at the door but Rick Grayson? No! With his shaved head, his bullet wound on the side of his head that looks like a Batman symbol, and driving a cab. I don't know what in the dark crisis is happening. And I know I'll pick up the next issue just to find out, but they literally just gave us the best two runs of Nightwing in probably my adult life. And then they bring Rick Grayson into it, and I'm just angry. (laughs) 
just like I was like, I worked really hard to get away from you. Blank, blank. <laughs> Why are you here? Why? And so that's a thing. Sometimes I wonder if editorial rooms are literally like, folks, this was really good, really good stuff. What you got for me? And they're like, yo, are you sitting down? <laughs> I'm just, I got to that page and I threw the book. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sure like a bunch of them are like, it's going to be Rick Grayson. He's going to be looking at himself, but as Rick without a K. And everyone in the room stops. Go on. Said literally no one in that room, yet here we are. (laughs) I so meant to say that last week, and I got off this call with you, and I was just like, Pauls, I didn't say anything about Rick. So that happened. (laughs) They forgot about Rick without a K. Um, They forgot about Rick. Nowadays, everybody wants to. (laughs) Yep, there we are. Um, Great. Wonderful. Well, all right. (laughs) What'd you read, Chris? Yeah, great. (laughs) Fine. Wonderful. Um, Well, I mentioned earlier, I read a bunch of stuff that I used to say was good. Um, Hopefully some of those bounce back. Um, Can I also just say here, we've also not uttered Batman really since Sadarsky took over. That he is, for me, he is not having the same magic on Batman as he has with Daredevil. Oh, no, not at all. Um, Um, So... I want them to get through this failsafe arc to something else so I can find out whether it's just this is broken or I don't know. So, yeah. Anyway, um, what I did read. So I'm going to give you two really quick hits because, like I said, oops, they're all number ones um, because they're crazy. And then I'll talk about the two that are probably more grounded in reality. Um, And one of them was a straight up steal from Hector. So he gets to be broody about it. so first of all, from Image, uh, did you see Ninja Funk numero uno? No. Yes. Yeah, so Ninja Funk, um, it's a MacBook, um, and so I which, did... which by the way, I stopped looking really hard at my shelves this week because I had three weeks worth of books and my price range went like out of where <laughs> I'm comfortable with, so I just stopped looking. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so Ninja Funk. Um, beautiful, 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 crazy pulpy. It's future cyberpunk slash ninja Ronin type story that is just beyond the pale broken and how insane it is. It is a mature book. It's weird. So I'm here for it in all of its weirdness. And I don't even know how to really quantify some of that weirdness. So if all of the random words that I just said in the previous sentence, Ninja Ronin cyberpunk pulp, like that's your search bar for either music or creative, then this is your space. Cause I not a hundred percent sure what's going on in the book, but it looks really cool. It, it definitely nails that Ninja cyberpunk um aesthetic but it is just super weird like there are things going on in it that i'm like i think this is a joke but i'm waiting for the punchline <laughs> so we, or, we've had we've had steampunk and we've had cyberpunk yeah. chris poirier today on episode 79 of the polis podcast let yeah. me ask you what is the next iteration of punk <laughs> 
what will it be? Huh. And we go She's, on. Yeah, I, <laughs> I broke Chris. Yes, you broke. You broke the podcast. <laughs> um, uh, write in and, and tell us what the next punk is, Sam. Um, Samurai punk. I mean, that's technically what this is. <laughs> It is, but a lot of people argue that's cyberpunk. But if you do it like in the old style, then it's its own thing. Okay. Anyway, yeah. anyway. back to the podcast. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Ninja Funk number one. Uh, then I want to double check. I'm pretty sure this was another image book. Um, my other one is, yeah, it was image. So image has been cranking out a bunch of number ones lately, um, which is how they, which is how they money make. Um to see what the next big thing is, but I read two graves. I don't know if you, if that made your random um, pile of things that you read either, but um, this is, I haven't seen it. So weird. Um, But you're introduced to a female character. That's kind of along for this ride with this regular dude. And you're getting serial killer vibes off from the dude. And you find out that's kind of exactly what's going on because the woman knows who he is because I believe it's her sister or a related family member basically got, or somebody got tricked by this guy before she finds him, um, you know, plays dumb and rides along. And so, you know, this is the inverse of the, Oh, the dude in the truck is going to murder you brutally story, except that, well, he's like on his journey of that. She like tells him his entire life story in the process. And then he gets marked. Um, by her so you're like okay revenge story got it still don't know why we're here but got it um except that about the time that he's gonna shuffle off the mortal coil this other being appears which in human form but obviously isn't you don't we don't really know what he is um it is implied that he is either a demon or satan himself but we don't really know and he's like, and he is indebted somehow to the human woman. Um, or she's made a trade because they referenced, you know, how does this deal work kind of thing a few times. Um, and he's like, this the guy? And it's like, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> guy dies and it's like, wait, what's going on here? And so, again, they kind of talk about the whole making a deal with a demon devil type thing going forward. But it's clear there's something different about the woman as well. And there's two times that they show up at a cliff in the book. And she talks about, are people going to be able to see? Cause the thing is with the demon type character or whatever he truly is, he says that people can't see him or they see who they want to see whenever he's present because kind of in between the, like murdering a bad dude, like he does the whole death thing from Sandman of he takes an elderly person past the mortal realm. And so you're like, okay, just whacked a dude that clearly quote unquote deserved it. But then there's this, that seems kind of more grounded, but it still seems like the dude's probably evil in some way, but it's not clear. But the end of the first issue is literally the woman's like, cause she's like, will they see me? And she steps off the side of a cliff and stays put but clearly is nothing beneath her. And they show like a bunch of people camping below them hundreds of feet and sees her just floating there. And that's the end of the first book. And I was like, go on. So again, I, I don't know why books like this, like make me go, okay, I'm paying attention. Well drawn. You've given me an interesting thought process, 
that I want to know where you're going. And I guess maybe that's why a lot of my number ones are like, this sounds like a great premise. And then they just completely fall on their face in issue two or three. Listen, all you need is 32 pages in a cliffhanger to make two yep. comics worth of money. Yep. <laughs> Past that. I mean, it's just accidental. <laughs> so, cause I want to be challenged by neat concepts or things that make you think. Um, and I'll tell you what, because we're going to get there in a second. These issues of faith are, I feel like I'm seeing more and more of lately. And everyone thinks they're doing something creative and interesting with it. Eh. To be determined, but I'm seeing a lot anything, of books. I haven't seen anything that strong since Judas, but I was going to say partial. Judas is last time that I stopped and went. Whoop. So that's why I sit here on some of these and go, will we get another Judas out of it? Time will tell. So Ninja Funk one, two graves, number one. And now let's get into the books. And so I'm going to go Batman and the Joker deadly duo. Number one first. Interesting. And so, yeah, I get that you might feel that this book wasn't super groundbreaking or anything like that, but I didn't it is it. here. So it is here because Mark Silvestri drew it and Mark Silvestri drawing Batman and Joker is just awesome. Um, like super early 90s vibe. Um and so Silvestri was, you know, top cow, um, original image founder, um, all that good stuff. So that's his pedigree. And he hasn't done a lot lately. Um, he kind of chills because he's just done what he's done. Um, but this book was really cool to see his because he does Joker like really hyper. It's kind of wild how he does it. But the base of this story is, you know, it's called Deadly Duo. So it's the concept that Batman and Joker are going to be buddy cops in, in the series. And you so they get you what to I've have been reading and uh, Batman Beyond the White Knight for the last six months. Except on the literal opposite of the spectrum. Because <laughs> crazy, crazy man Joker so, shows up and is like, guess we got to be friends for this. And the friends for this is Batman's at a murder scene and it's this whole thing of, well, somebody shot this dude a bunch of times and Batman's staring at the bloody wall of bullet holes. And he's like green hair portions of very white skin. He's like, so the Joker's not with us anymore, huh? And they're like, well, that dude isn't here, whoever he was. And you basically find out what feels like, um, man bat. Um, you see a piece that kind of looks like him early. And then you see these really weird, clearly Joker clones that are like man bat slash other things. And of course, man bat's whole thing is the genetic genetic mutation and everything of, of self to become a thing. Uh, the Joker basically shows up and is like, uh, the rumors of my death are greatly exaggerated. And he goes, but whatever the crap, these things are, uh, not okay. <laughs> On that note, too, uh, back with Gotham Knights saying it was very New 52, we get a small army of man bats. I, I had a feeling that's kind of where you were going on that one. Yep. Um, but yeah, man bat and Langstrom and all that really loves him some genetic mutation. So that's kind of the setup is you've got basically super man bat jokers and jokers like that's not cool, bro. And he's like, so let's team up and we can beat. He goes we could be the deadly duo. And he's like, we got this fam. And it's going to be completely broken and very nineties, but 
the setup and the art makes it worth the journey for me. So sorry, not sorry. Um, so if you're all about that vibe, that's a vibe. Uh, and then finally, uh, where Hector and I fully agreed for the week, Fantastic Four number one, which is like what the fifth Fantastic Four number one in like the last three months. Um, <laughs> now sorry, I got sorry, Todd. I don't care, but just be thankful. <laughs> I'm saying something nice about the Fantastic Four right now because I want to like the first family of Marvel. I want to. It, they are usually delightful. Um, and- I and I got this book for Todd, and I got a variant cover. Cause I was going to do, I was going to have like my daughter, like do it. Cause my daughter does art now and I was going to have her do a cover for it and just send it to Todd. And I only read it out of kicks and giggles. And I was like, Oh, this was super dope. <laughs> right. So it's, it's Ben and, and his wife, um, which I'm glad that we revisit the fact that Ben's been married happily for a while now. Um, and that like him and Alicia have like always been fun characters side by side. And their relationship has always been fun, but this was like a really fun reminder with a mystery slash Fantastic Four problem to solve, right? Um, so they are traveling and they end up in this town that literally by all accounts isn't supposed to exist, but it does. And you kind of get this time loop vibe at the very beginning. Like you're going to read the first three pages and go, did they make a mistake here? <laughs> I uh, Yes. And that's the right? like, literally the first three pages. is just push my back. Yeah, it's literally the same page like three times in a row and then it breaks the cycle. And like I turned the first two pages and went, no, this has got to be a time loop thing. Like even before I got into it, I was like, nah, there's not an extra page here, Um, though there could be that happens. And that's the put the comic book back down. It just became worth a lot of money. Um, (laughs) I had that thought, too. I was like, oh, man, did I get a number one that's misprinted? Dollars. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, no. but you basically find out that there's a time loop story for this town that's been in a loop since 1947. And they basically help usher the town into its final rest and survivorship. And it's really, and Ben deals with people being like, you're a gigantic rock monster, not a hero. And that, I mean, that's the constant thing for, for the thing and Ben. Um, and so there were delightful feels in that, um, that they had a mystery and they solved it in a single comic. And, but it does appear that it connects to the overarching story that is going on that Rich Reed made an oopsie um, back in New York that, that yeah. Now science go, the science go bad sometimes fam. <laughs> just, just for the question. Um, like the oopsie that is like mentioned at the end, is that an existing thing or are we getting introduced to that? I don't, no, because of the multiple Todd, number one. Yeah, Todd, Todd if you can hear us, communicate with us. Let's go. <laughs> um, that I'm not. I'm not sure if that's a new setup or if that is a continuation. Um, so that makes us, you know, both good and bad comic book people right now. But this is me saying, well, then you should have been better for the last three months. No, 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 no. Um, I, I really like, I'm just guessing here, but I really feel like this is a new setup and that's a really I think so. good. I think that's a good way to do a new setup. Yeah. When there's a crater in the middle of New York city, because the fantastic four made an oops. Um, I, I like the fantastic four when they're vulnerable and that's what they've, their stories always kind of been that way. Right. Is that 
they have to battle with the we got these powers and we didn't want them either but here we are kind of trying to make the best of things so um, i w- i watched black panther 2 last night and like my only mental track as i was watching through this is that now that um namor is latino mm. like i just pictured him like being saucy with sue like mi amor and i'm like <laughs> And I'm waiting. I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for sassy Latino Namor to be like Caramia and all up on Sue Storm. I'm waiting for that in my soul. Can't wait for it. I don't even know who Sue Storm is yet, but I'm waiting for the MCU Namor to be all flirty with like Sue Storm. It's gonna be wonderful. <laughs> yeah, that checks out. Either people, either people love it or hate it. I'm sorry that that checks out because he he literally has a line. And it's not a knock or anything like that. That his name is Namor because it means no love. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> All right. Well, spoilers, not spoilers, I guess. All right. You are listening to the Polis Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Mira. Hey everyone, I'm Hector Mirai, and this is Faith and Fandom 180 on LTN Radio. So the other night, I'm on a road trip and heading my way home. Stopped, got some food, and while I was in the passenger seat, I started playing Pokemon Go, as I often do. And it just happened to be that I started playing right when a new event started that I was not aware of. And... Some of the Pokestops had turned gold. And after I spun one, as we're starting to drive away, I noticed some creepy little ragdoll mutant bug looking thing chasing my character in Pokemon Go. I'd never seen this thing before. It didn't look like a Pokemon I'd ever known, and I'm pretty well versed in Pokemon. And it genuinely freaked me out that this thing was following me. You know, I was like, I tried to click on it and it made a coin symbol and I didn't know what was up yet and like it freaked me out (laughs) and so I had them pull the car over because uh, I didn't know if I could catch this thing. I didn't know if I had broken something. I didn't know if my phone had been hacked and some mutant bug Pokemon had been put. I just I just didn't know what was going on. All I knew is something was following me that I didn't want to follow me. Um, come to find out, it's a Gimme Ghoul. It's a new Pokemon that's about to be part of Scarlet and Violet that's dropping on November 18th. Um, but they were crossing it over Pokemon Go, and I just happened to be in the right or wrong place at the right time. And the thing was just chasing me, and it was weird. Um, and it reminded me of this passage in Acts chapter 16, verses 17 and 18, where this girl who can tell the future is following Paul and some of the other apostles around. Um, Verse 17 says, She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. Now, 
Paul and me both had some weird little creature following us. One was a spirit-filled girl, the other was a Pokemon. But here's what I want to let you know. You're not always going to be able to choose who follows you. You're not always going to be in control of that. So make sure that you're living and moving in a direction that whoever follows you is going to find the right path. Remember to catch Faith and Fandom 180 every Wednesday morning on the Back Row Morning Show only on LTN Radio. And if you'd like to learn more about Faith and Fandom, head over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our Comic-Con ministry, podcasts, memes, apparel, and book series. You can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book. I'm Hector Mirai, and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me. You are listening to The Pull List Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Mira. Hector, we, we got to close this one out. So uh, what was what was the number? What was your actual number one after I stole Fantastic Four number one from you? Yes. Once again, Chris stole Fantastic Four number one. Um, so uh, and forgive me if it's inappropriate, um, but uh, Quick Stops number one uh, from oh Kevin my. Smith. Uh, now, if for those of you uh, nerds and muggles as well who might not be aware of this, back before Kevin Smith was everybody's favorite everything for everything, uh, he cared about his own properties more than the studios did. Yeah. And um, so he would write full graphic novels to tie in different movies. Um, so yeah. there is a really rare book out there. And I've got an autographed copy by uh, Jason Muse, which is fun. Um, there, yeah, there's a really rare book out there called Chasing Dogma, which uh, it's a full graphic novel that follows the exploits of Jane Silent Bob as they leave chasing Amy and head into Dogma. Oh no! So it's it's them leaving the events of chasing Amy and then heading into the events of Dogma. So and so that's something he's done multiple times before to kind of like bridge the different movies. This is called a quick stops um, actually written by Kevin. And if you, it features a lot of a uh, very clerks familiar scenes, but this entire book is the run up to the Jay and silent Bob reboot. Got it. And you don't know that as you're doing it, but uh, if you've seen the Jay and silent now. Bob spoilers, sorry. Yep. That's a uh, for the two people that saw the Jane Silent Bob reboot. Um, but okay, uh, so we're both here. Got it. <laughs> got it. <laughs> um, but like, uh, there's a uh, there wasn't a lot of very important stuff in the Jane Silent Bob reboot, but there was a fantastic scene with Ben Affleck monologuing about parenting. Oh yeah, yep. at the end of the Jane Silent Bob reboot, this is the panel. This is the panel that was happening right before that. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> so, because the, the, the whole pr- premise of that story is that they're interrupting a Comic-Con and uh, they run into Holden McNeil, who is the creator of Blunt Man and Chronic. Uh, and so this is him at that panel uh, t- talking about the origin of Blunt Man and Chronic. And how he came up with the idea from Jay and Silent Bob, which is funny. He is drawn in this 100% to be Ben Affleck, um, which is his character. But in the middle of it, they have to hide from something. So they hand him a like Dollar Tree Daredevil mask to wear. 
<laughs> yes. And so there's all these references to uh there's references to everything um but specifically on relationships and parenting and all the stuff but if you enjoyed uh Holden's speech from the Jay and Silent Bob reboot this literally is the 20 minutes of story that happened right before that. Um but you get him telling a version of how he met them and what's really great there's a lot of big nods to comic fans um in this that uh uh and because he uh when he meets jane silent bob for the first time he gets high um which is one does apparently with jane silent bob but uh checks out what he sees is them leading him through an adventure of the dark knight returns so the whole mud pit thing, like with the mutants, they have all of that with Blunt Man and Chronic and Mark Hamill's character, which I'll refrain from saying on air. Um, <laughs> um, reference. Reference. Um, and so that, and um, but yeah, that that's the thing. It's a, it's, it's a big nod to that. Um, that's about it. Okay, I'm good. Good. So, uh, my number one. So, I mentioned that faith seems to be, like, a thing lately. Um, And I didn't get this book simply because it was titled Gospel, but because half of the comic book world was like, this is the book you were supposed to read this week, um, if not a majority of it. Um, So, I picked up Gospel number one. And the backdrop of this and like reading the first page, you know how maybe you don't know this. A lot of people, (laughs) the first page in a comic book actually behind the cover sometimes has a paragraph to a full page explaining what you are about to read or what you just previously did not read so that you can continue to actually carry on with the story. Um, There's a page of text (laughs) setting up this story. It's not a paragraph. It's almost the full page. Um, And basically you learn that the backdrop of this particular story is the Christian Reformation. Um, So we're going, it's, it's, well, it predates a little bit. So it's like late 1400s into early 1500s. Um, And you promptly get dropped into this fantasy story about, Uh, this young woman who is kind of the rambunctious character in this thing that's doing heroing type stuff. And I'm not talking about the D and D book that isn't out yet. I'm talking about gospel number one, Um, but has those adventuring vibes of how she slew this gigantic boar. And you're like, okay, like huge boar, like semi demonic, like eyes, like possessed type thing. And she slew the thing and saved the town story. And, that's like the first third of this comic. And then you find out that it's this old dude in current time telling that story to a social worker of some type and a very confused social worker. So your confused look or feeling right now that you're feeling is literally what characters in the comic are feeling at this moment, <laughs> because I went, what just happened? Um, and then he's like, Oh, maybe you need to end the social workers basically like crazy. Um, and he's like, hold on, hold on. Maybe, you know, I'm doing this wrong or something. You still don't know why the social worker is there. Um, and he proceeds to tell kind of the story that comes after that. Um, and like the boar is now like normal size and like, even the characters like, well, it felt bigger when I was like trying to kill it and stuff. And so you're just really confused with what 
is real, what is allegory, what isn't at this point. Um, there are references that the first printed Bibles are starting to find their presence amongst all these people. So we're all the way back to Gutenberg Press, first English copies of um, the Bible showing up, the English Anglican Church having control, Pope having control. Um, but the early reformers in Cromwell and some of the others are mentioned by name at this point. And like my brain is literally starting to fold over on itself because <laughs> it's kind of like reading a Dan Brown book mm. that someone clearly did enough research that there are, there are factual names, places and instances here. And then the rest of it is the, is the glue that's telling you a fantastical story. Right. And it just kind of ends going into the next thing of, he's telling another story to this social worker, which we still don't have a lot of context for. Um, but a devil character shows up in town. Now, granted, I'd already told you that the first story of like the huge demonic pig was also already kind of, well, it wasn't really huge or demonic or, or anything by the end of the story. So I don't know if they're trying to give us this ebb and flow of this person is telling stories in this backdrop. So, if the Reformation and crazy fantasy comics that are extremely well-drawn are your jam, gospel number one. Like, I don't know how else to frame this book because <sighs> it's pretty. I feel, like, I feel like the Reformation and craft beer are more people's jam than like fantasy <laughs> comics and Reformation. <laughs> right? Um, like, yeah, the Reformation was literally born off the backs of craft beer and the invention of coffee. You're welcome. If you didn't know that, it's true. Coffee, like, literally was in the same time frame. So yeah. it's it's why the joke for the rest of us is beware you, a caffeinated pastor. Um, they will literally turn the world upside down. <laughs> um, so, yeah, gospel number one. It was a thing. It was wild. Um, I definitely want to see where this is going with the time jumps and the storytelling and everything, because you literally just told me that it's this fantasy story told against the backdrop of the Christian Reformation, but we have nothing else that connects it really at this point. Um, so great. There you go. Nailed it. And I, so go see black Panther number two. We might catch that next time. We just didn't have the time. And Chris still needs to make it to the movie theater. Cause Hector is going to see this four times before I even make it the first time. That's just the rule. If you're new here, I have teenagers. I can't see things multiple times anymore. Oh, that's fair. Uh, well, then maybe I will finally get to catch up. Uh, <laughs> so there you have it. So that's going to do it for us here at the Polis Podcast. Episode 79 is now in the books and in your ears and your eyeballs. Um, it's true. We're on YouTube. You need to check us out over there just as much as you do here. So you can actually see the funny faces that matches this conversation that occurs week to week because they're delightful. Um but we couldn't possibly do this alone. We do this on a journey along with a ton of other fandoms, nerdy stuff, podcasts, and streaming type stuff over at the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. So be sure to visit lovethynerd.com. Check out info on shows, our past shows, other shows. Maybe find you something new to watch, listen to. But man, Hector and I seriously do just want to thank you for listening to us, for checking us out on a near weekly basis, uh, because we have a lot of fun doing this and we hope that you guys enjoy it too. So don't leave us hanging. Rate, review the show on your podcasting app of choice or on the YouTubes. Smash like and subscribe. Uh, we're on the iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, so many other things. So, you know, check it out. Leave some love. We hope to keep doing this for y'all. So thanks for listening. And remember, kids. 
read, read more, more comics. comics. I'm gonna take all seven continents of the game of risk.